Blog Talk Radio. Humanity, human being, human love, on a spiritual tip, so vast, so great, the African embrace, live beyond. Love beyond your skin to where you belong. Sick as a kid, sick as a kid, 
the club, original one. Eat up town, let's eat up town, let's get this town. How do we be? We are doo-wop and bebop and hip-hop and we don't stop. You see, it started a long time ago and it wasn't a show. We gave birth to a style like a precocious child. Feeling the passion for life, erasing away all the strife. Telling our tales with verbal mail, putting honey on the blade, creating language to persuade. Share who we've always been. Always a blessing, never a sin. We are doo-wop and bebop and hip-hop and we don't stop. Since our mother gave birth to everyone on earth. So we echo her call. And always walk tall. Cause we're hip to the world, so we create black pearls. Everyone can wear, everyone can share. We can't live in despair. So we shine everywhere. On and on, on and on, on and on. We welcome you to Africa on the Move. As your host, Brother Africa, it's always an honor and privilege where we can come to your home this evening, where we will speak truth to the powerless and the powerful. We hope that we will provide you with information so that you can use it as a tool for liberation. Our theme tonight is their war and their media. That's right. We're going to talk about their war and their media as relates to the competition that's taking place now between Russia and Ukraine, many would say the West versus um, versus Russia, because there seem to be a um, large amount of evidence that, as someone once stated earlier, that ever since after World War II, any country that went to war with a Western with a Western power or a country that the West support, there seemed to be a, a thug mentality where you have to take on the whole group. Now, looking at what's going down, how different institutions are cowed down to the interests of the West, that's what it seemed like, the whole West versus Russia. So anyway, we're going to have a fully discussion on this subject tonight. We'd like to invite you to join in. By dialing 323-679-0841, hit 1, and share your views and your perspectives. But before we get to our theme tonight, like always, our first segment will deal with what's going on in your world and the community with our political panelists and analysts. So right now, on the 6th of March, 2022, we can get started with our party, like always, by bringing in our political panelists and analysts for today's program. 
Right now, we're bringing Brother Haki. We will welcome him to Africa on the move. Welcome, Brother Haki. Well, Brother Africa, <clears throat> since you you raised the specter of war, I think it's important that people understand the nature of war. Uh, unfortunately, in society, we've been miseducated in terms of the uh, U.S. propensity to go to war time and time again. So I think it's very important that we understand some context behind why the U.S. continuously engages in war throughout the world against nations that haven't done anything to the U.S. whatsoever. Now, I want you to check this out, Brother Africa. Now, Kwame Nkrumah stated, neocolonialism is the final stage of capitalism. Implicit in this message is the competition among capitalist states to claim their share of international spoils looted from colonized nations throughout the world. Competition among Western states to secure cheap raw materials from the developing nations have resulted in a revised strategy, not so much in competition for cheap raw sources, cheap raw cheap resources, but in negation of pursuing raw resources from countries the U.S. perceives as enemies of capitalism. Both Russia and China's ability to compete on the world's economic arena are considered a threat to, to maximum exploitation of developing nations, nations' economies have been singled out as the biggest threat to Western imperial objectives. Amolishing Europe against trade with Russia or China, the U.S. attempt to direct Europe's investments have fallen woefully short in view of the two undeniable realities. One, trade with Russia and China are cheaper for European economies, given the proximity and exchange rates. And secondly, the European direct foreign investments or the corporation to corporation business investments in Russia and China consist of 300 billion euros or 148 billion euros, respectively. With respect to Russia, one of the U.S. biggest contentions is Europe's purchase of Russia's liquefied natural gas, better quality because of it's not because it's not fractured and the cheaper cost because it's delivered via underwater pipelines directly from Russia. From the U.S. capitalist perspective, Europe's actions are seen as a betrayal. Hostilities during the Trump administration increased considerably in acting tariffs against Europe, but have, not, but have been reduced since Joe Biden's election. Even though the U.S.-European Union trade policies are better aligned in 2022, the underlying philosophy of capitalist dysfunction between the U.S. and the European Union remains strained. Europe's attempt to acknowledge a business environment which increasingly has failed to address the needs of humanity has been a point of contention with U.S. ruling class, as exhibited by Steve Bannon's efforts to foment and elevate Nazism in, in Europe. The U.S. ruling class does not share the notion economic affairs should concern itself with redistribution of wealth or the pursuit of equality. Advocates like Henry Frank, Frankfurt, a Western moral philosopher, position that he is very clear to the sentiments of the U.S. ruling class. Frankfurt and individuals like Ayn Rand attempt to give credence to the notion it's irrational to think inequality as a problem. Ayn Rand goes a step further, arguing pursuit of self-interest is the only valid interest. Such philosophies promote the notion humans are incapable of extrapolating or employing empathy, which separates humans from other species who lack critical self-awareness. It is the internalization of these values that leads itself to destruction, destruction of consciousness, destruction of life, and even the planet. Destruction is very evident in engaging the lens of geopolitical strategy in the use of deadly force, presumably to achieve a political objective. In the case of neocolonialism, the objective is the subjugation of an entire nation and its people to a life of destitution and despair. Fulfilling this objective involves wanton destruction of both those who resist and non-combatants alike. In the case of the U.S., destruction of life within and outside its borders is, is, pursuit, 
in pursuit of cheap raw materials is perfunctory on the obligations that's actually expected. Since 1776, the American Revolution, the U.S. has been at war 225 years out of its 243 years' existence. Along the way, wars were executed against indigenous people in the U.S., Spaniards, Mexicans, Japanese, Germans, Koreans, Vietnamese, Iraqis, and Afghans. We could very easily add Syria and Somalia to the list. Now, with technological innovation, the proficiency of killing has also increased. Between 2014 and 2019, the U.S. conducted 5,000 airstrikes declined by international standards in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. Casualties included tens of thousands of innocent civilians, many women and children. Ironically, casualties also entailed through that same time period included 45,000 U.S. troops, 900 private contractors, and 32,000 badly injured soldiers, according to the Academy of Natural Science. U.S. aggression does not always result in full military intervention. The precarious state of the U.S. economy results in small military units and intervention units or use of mercenaries to achieve political objectives and destabilize in poor countries' economies. In the advent of states on par with U.S. militarily or economically, the weapon of choice is sanctions. Ironically, sanctions on states like Russia or China do not work. Both Russia and China are in the process of developing uh, decoupling from the SWIFT system, and sanctions are only hastening that process. Sanctions, according to the finance minister of the European Commission, will only adversely impact the European Union's economy. The reason being the U.S. inflation rate of 7.5% and the Federal, in- Federal Reserve intent to raise interest rates will only export more inflation to Europe, resulting in higher prices the European Union is already struggling. Trade with Russia serves as a safety valve of sorts in the form of cheaper products via transportation costs. Even though the European Union refuses to enter long-term contractual relations with Russia, cheap gas and oil, Germany refuses to partake in this game because its citizens will suffer with shortage of needed commodities like food and energy. In China's case, sanctions by U.S. have had opposite unintended effect. In 2018, when the U.S. launched its trade offensive, the U.S. economy declined precipitously. Uh, the U.S. trade balance decreased in 2017 from 792 by 2021, the U.S. trade balance deficit was actually $1.8 trillion. Focused exclusively on U.S. trade imbalance, U.S. trade deficit was $375 billion in 2017, slightly improving to $355 billion in 2021. So why did China's balance of trade improve 30% when the U.S. initiated tariffs and the U.S. economy contracted? Currently standing at $676 billion in 2021, China's Improved economy was a result of foreign direct investments, where U.S. corporations invest over $130 billion in China's economy. Nature of these investments uh, consist of healthcare, information technology, engineering, semiconductor chips, and luxury goods. The bottom line, investments in China for U.S. businesses are profitable. While China continues to spur commerce throughout the world through its Belt Road Initiative through legitimate trade and investment, the U.S. continues to engage in non-productive endeavors echoing colonial projects of the past. According to the latest U.S. military project, killing by stealth has been improved. Allegedly, the third marine literal project can carry out attacks against targets without leaving evidence of their presence. Often these, pro- these projects involve great costs, on- which only contributes to the expedite the decline of the economy despite great expectations. In fact, the intent of the world tr- 
World Trade Organization format was to get China leadership to participate in the exploitation of developing nations. But China has chosen to proceed along a different path. We are building things and selling things and took precedent over instigating war of, to facilitate imperialism. Consequently, for the U.S., which involves not only sustaining the efforts, excuse me, China, okay, uh, let me back up, Brother Africa. I'm getting blind here. All right, to, okay, now, thanks, selling, okay, selling, okay selling, China, China's um, impetus in terms of actually uh, creating things or uh, building things and selling things takes precedence or instigation or perpetuation of imperial war. Consequently, China's position creates challenges for U.S., U.S., uh, which involves not only sustaining war efforts, but overcoming the obstacle of, mon- of maintaining domination over states willing to pursue alternatives to be free. Nkrumah was right. Neocolonialism or propping up puppet regimes to serve Western interests are simply unsustainable when countries like Russia, China, Venezuela, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Cuba offer alternatives as to how society can be better organized. With the rising consciousness among the masses, Desolates and their acolytes are finding it difficult to carry out policies sanctioned by Western states. Wars ultimately will give way to liberation movements, culminating in ending neocolonialism and its manifestations of endless wars. And I'll close with that, Brother Africa. Thank you, Brother Haki. Next from Brother Haki, we would like to welcome Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, welcome to Africa. On the move, Brother Anthony. Thanks for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objective is Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. And finally, Brother Anthony, we now will bring in our Brother Moses, and we would like to welcome him as well to Africa on the Move. Welcome, Brother Moses. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa. Greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. It is um, my duty just to inform you that I am Robert Andrew Moses um, in, in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during the government class back in my high school years, 1968, I've called Marxism the race to, to cure racism. I bear witness that there's one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. And we don't reverse correct verdicts. I am pro-choice, and I vote. And I like to say women hold up half the sky. That's why I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, E-R-A-E-S. And the struggle continues to unite the many, to defeat the few, to um, to um, create a better a better world um, where where it is possible that um, the wealth of the world would be shared among the people of the world. And this is the struggle we're in, and um, it's, it's protracted. Thank you, and thank you for allowing me to be on the show, Brother Africa. As always, Brother Moses, it's an honor to have you. And from Brother Moses, we can go to 
Sister Eleanor, and we'd like to welcome Sister Eleanor to our program. Welcome to Africa and Move, Sister Eleanor. Thank you so much, Brother Africa. Thank you so much for having me on the show this evening. My name is Eleanor Johnson. I'd like to um, send my greetings and uh, respect to all the panelists and all of our listeners. And it seems that the world is at war. We have Saudi Arabia uh, attacking Yemen, and no one pays attention. Hundreds of thousands of people die and have died, and that's what's going on. We have Israel attacking Syria, flying over uh, the uh, uh, Lebanese country of Lebanon and dropping flyers and bombs on Syria as it has occupied the Golan Heights, a part of Syria, since 1967. Then we have Russia who has invaded the Ukraine, and that seems to be filling the news. But last, we have the U.S., who has begun its drone strikes against Somalia, and that's just a small fraction of the war and devastation that Mother Earth is facing right now, Brother Africa. So thank you so much for allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. And we have a special guest for today's program. Um, we're going to bring this particular guest in and just let him say hello to you. And we'd like to welcome him as well to Africa on the Move, our brother Keblon. Welcome to Africa on the Move. Oh, what's up, Africa? I'm just listening. Cause I'm trying to do two things at one time. So I'm just listening today. I'm going to be very passive. All right. Thank you, my brother. Anytime you want to participate, just hit one. All right, you're listening to Africa on the Move. We're in the seat. We're going to take the heat as we define it. We're going to stand behind it. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a revolutionary culture break. And when we come back, and you can join us by dialing 323-679-0841, and we're going to discuss what's going on in your world and the community. That's right. We want you to share with us what's going on in your world and the community. We'll be right back. This is Africa on the Moon. If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine Palestine. needs her freedom. freedom. Palestine Palestine. needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice, 
That's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine, Palestine needs, her freedom. needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs, our love. needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom, needs her freedom. Palestine needs our love. in chains. Living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by the news, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah, to last through my journey, yeah. Time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Pellerino, a bloodline across the waters, from Benin to Salvador Bahia, a scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip 
Hear the cries and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. When the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be. Know that I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Africa on the Move on the 6th day of March 2022. You're listening to the voice of Brother Africa. As we stated earlier, we're going to speak truth to the powerless and the powerful. We may not give you what you want, but we do try our best to give you what you need. We understand the information must be properly understood as a tool for liberation. So we hope to inspire you and encourage you to a higher level of activity as a lead towards our people unification and liberation and to help push all of humanity forward. We welcome you back to Africa on the Move. At this point in time, we're going to discuss on our first segment, for today's program, what's going on in your world and the community? That's right. If you live in Azania, South Africa, Brazil, 
uh, if you live in Cuba, Venezuela, Haiti, live in Kenya, Cameroon, Guinea, Ghana, Egypt, if you live in China, Korea, if you live in uh, Germany, wherever you live, we have a segment in which we would love to entertain your thoughts and your reporting or giving us some of objective realities of what's going on in your world and this community. And you can do that real simply by picking up your phone and dialing in 323-679-0841. Please hit 1, and we acknowledge your last four numbers if you have a comment you'd like to make. So at this point in time, we'll get started with the segment, What's Going On in Your World and the Community. We can come back to Brother Haki and let him lead us off for this segment. What's going on in your world and your community, Brother Haki? Well, Brother Africa, is unfortunately, is, is more the same. Um, the more history changes, the more things remain the same. Uh, interesting enough, there was a ProPublica did a report in 2021 that talks about the uh, disproportionate amount of incarceration of young African children for undisclosed reasons. Now, the reasons why, you know, this report is so egregious on many, many levels is for, is for a couple of reasons. Well, one, well, actually for reason, three reasons. Well, one of them, of course, is that, you know, in terms of the allegations against many of these children, a lot of times they were charged with crimes that never existed. Uh, secondly, uh, the jails of children, you know, they unfortunately, uh, a lot of times, the sentence that these children received was prescribed by law. In other words, a law said that certainly you can't give a child a, a certain lengthy sentence. Well, this rule, this law was violated by officials in a particular town in Tennessee who continually gave these, children, these African children uh, uh, exceedingly long uh, uh, jail terms. Uh, thirdly, also, the report indicated that the records being, uh, were being, uh, the records that were being held highlighting uh, the incarceration of African children, it had, it had actual um, information uh, pertaining to not only um, the, 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 the color of the children that were incarcerated, but also in what part of the country they, uh, they came from. So clearly, uh, this, 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 this intent in terms of um, jailing African children uh, wasn't simply a, uh, a, a function of system per se, but this was a conscious intent in terms of uh, highlight, you know, uh, incarcerating African children. Uh, now, the report, uh, report also revealed that statistical anomalies over the last, the last, over the last 11 years was very interesting. Of this report, they say that 30% of the African children were targeted by this particular county in Tennessee, Rutherford County. Now, initially, according to the census report uh, between 2010 and 2019, uh, only 14 to 16% of the population were African children. So the implications were very clear that African children were disproportionately targeted, and there's no question about that. Now the question is, now how does this tendency to jail African children trans- translate nationally? Now according to the sentencing project in 2019, 41% of incarcerated children are African, while nationally African children make up only 15% of the nation's population. Think about that one for a while. Now earlier I mentioned the motivation behind excessive incarceration of African children were not stated in report. But obviously, the skin color did play a big part. I would surmise an equally plausible reason for the mass incarceration of African children is the monetization of the economy. Monetization is a driving impulse of capitalism that says any situation can be reimagined to make money. 
In the case of rising unemployment, disproportionate impact to African youth, capitalizing on their labor cannot be achieved in the private sector where wages are paid. Getting around paying wages could best be achieved by mass incarceration, which authorized legalized slavery according to U.S. Constitution's 13th Amendment. The only requirement for states is to ensure jails or prisons have sufficient numbers of people, or in this case, disproportionate Africans, to fill those institutions providing free, if not cheap, labor for private and public corporations. Now, the latest corporations for taking the exploitation of incarceration poor children is the arms industry. The arms industry invests a minimum $1.38 billion a year to incarcerate children. In addition, $4.6 billion a year just for, for prison or jail construction. Now, free and cheap labor in jail and prisons is one way for corporations to recoup of their investments in the maintenance of the prison industrial complex. It is incumbent upon states to keep jails and prisons at overcapacity because not filling jails and prisons to, to, to capacity would mean tax revenues from corporations would dry up, and states desperate for tax revenues as a result of capitalism's decline would be impacted negatively. So the question is for the community, of course, given this reality, uh, uh, this, this historical as well as current reality, the question is what if we, we, we certainly should understand the implications in terms of, you know, masking up, you know, you know incarcerating a large number of African children. So often we talk about the, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the, the, uh, the school to prison pipeline. And so clearly this is an example of the school to prison pipeline in, in action. And so as a community, it seems to me that we have no other recourse but to seriously get involved in terms of, you know, these kinds of affairs that are taking place in the community as it disproportionately impacts our children, uh, creating a scenario in which uh, a viable future for the future of our children is simply not possible. So we have our work cut out for us, and I encourage people to get more involved in terms of these criminal justice uh, uh, affairs because I think it's key in terms of that longevity in the society. And I close with that, Brother Africa. You know, Brother Haki, I'm going to take my liberty as, as the host to um, engage you and the rest of the panelists on the subject that you just articulated. Now, I was reading somewhere, I was told by someone else that there are some legislation that that in the state of Virginia and maybe in some other states where they try to um structure it where they will make they will make you into a uh, criminal. You will commit a federal a felony a felony crime if you do any kind of corporate punishment on your kid or on your children if you try to discipline them. You know, historically, you know, what they call corporate punishment, a little tap on the backside, a little beating with a bat or something of that nature. You know, most of us were brought up that way, and we turned out to be pretty good. But the whole point was your parents were trying to discipline you because they knew if you displayed that kind of behavior, it only can lead to bad things. But now, Brother High Key and the rest of the panelists, I'd like for y'all to weigh in on this. They're talking about making legislation where parents cannot discipline them child, discipline their child in any form of that of that nature. And it just seems to me again, here you have the state again taking total control over your family, over what you can and can't do. More importantly, they are creating a scenario where they want your children to grow up undisciplined. And when you are undisciplined, you're subject to uh, behave in ways that will not be in the best interest of your development. So what do y'all um, make of 
people who oppose such a legislation or, or, or create a law that will make you into a criminal if you attempt to uh, discipline your child in, in, in that manner. Yeah, well, so, Brother I, I think Hackey, I'd like for you to respond to that because it goes along to the points that you just made. Go ahead, Brother Hackey. Yeah, well, I think one of the things we have to understand is that one of the things when we talk about the state conducting war, you know, one of the things we have to understand is that one of the things, the first thing they do is destabilize the community. So essentially what they're saying is that if you don't have the opportunity, if you don't have uh, the right to chastise your own children, then, of course, by, by virtue of being children, they're going to do things that are maybe inappropriate. They're children. That's part of growing up. And certainly, given the conditions a lot of children grow up in, simply you can't always – the ideal thing is to talk to children in terms of get them to intellectualize and get them to understand a much broader reality. But the bottom line is they are children nonetheless. And so for a kid who does something that's extremely dangerous and you, and you whack them on the butt, it's because you have to indicate the seriousness of, 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 that, of, of, that, of that mistake. And so you're not doing it out of malice. You're doing it because out of love of your child. And so, therefore, you, it seems to me that you certainly have a right to do so. But the state recognized that one of the things they want to do is they want to not only disempower parents, but they, as you alluded to, Brother Africa, they want to create a scenario where it's possible that these same kids who are out of control uh, can then, then be labeled, quote, unquote, criminals, which justify their incarceration. And that's all part of the ballgame. But the much larger reality, we have to understand that in the decline of capitalism, we have to understand this. Uh, when we talk about in terms of unemployment, access to education, access to housing, all those things are important human beings. We have to fundamentally understand that capitalism, because of the decline, cannot deliver those things. And as such, that people are, and as such, that the people's existence in society is very precarious. And because the positions of people are so precarious in society, it constitutes a threat to the state. And so what the state wants to do is to remediate or to limit uh, or, or undermine that threat by, by imposing incarceration. But the only way you can impose incarceration is to be some justification for incarceration. So if you got kids out of control, you got let's for instance, kids go to school and, um, you know, and uh, they get into some altercation and you, they come back home and you're talking to them about why you can't engage in altercations at school and say the kid is, is, is overhyped and the kid says something to you that's maybe very inappropriate and you act and shake the child about, listen, you know, calm down. You talk, you know, I'm, I'm your parent. You don't talk to me like that. Uh, then the kid go back to school and say, hey, my mother or my father shook me. And the, and the school in turn called the authorities and say, well, I got a child who's complaining that the, the parent shook him. Well, what you're doing is, and actually what you're doing is empowering the child in terms of being able, you know, uh, to, to serve as somewhat a, um, a, 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 a somewhat as a, um, a barrier to good parenting. And that's precisely what you want, because when that kid comes to the realization they have all the power, then what means that their behavior becomes more, more outrageous, which means that the likelihood that they end up in trouble become, becomes that much greater. And so, therefore, that's precisely what the state wants. It's, it's very convoluted logic, and, and people think, oh, no, that, come on, that, it can't, that can't be. But you have to understand, first and foremost, we're talking about a capitalist system in decline. And so when we talk about the kind of the poverty that is vastly sweeping this nation, and we ask ourselves, why does it exist? And we have to fundamentally understand that it's a system in place, that this system, in all terms of its own longevity, in all for it to continue, it has to control the population. So it uses many, many strategies in terms of maintaining and controlling the population. So this taking away your right to chastise your children is one of those, uh, one of those strategies they use in terms of making sure uh, 
thought, you know, that eventually your kids end up in big, big trouble because they essentially disempower parents from the ability to even chastise their own children. So understand this is part of a broader strategy, and I certainly hope people get that. But if not, hey, now close with that, Brother Africa. And to add to Brother Haki point, Brother Anthony, it also break up families, particularly African families. If you can incarcerate a parent because he or she tried to discipline their children, and once they go in, into a federal detention center, then you are creating the conditions, not only breaking up a family, but now the children become they become without a parent. They'd be put in positions that most likely they may be under the authority of people who may not have their best interests at heart. So your general response to that phenomenon, Brother Anthony? Uh, several things, Brother Africa. And I concur with all the points uh, you and, and Brother Haki made to this point. I would add also, in addition to breakup, of uh african families uh it uh it adds to uh the um uh to the prison pipe pipeline by creating another offense for which an adult can do jail time and uh and that's uh and, and so it's disastrous on that level and on another level it increases the number of people in foster care and our children in foster care uh because of um you know of the situation you've you've described in which uh you know uh foster children may 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 be may may grow up may be subject to a situation in which their foster parent does not have their best interests at heart, uh, you know, that leads, uh, that's another factor that could lead to the increase in the uh, prison population. So it seems like, uh, you know, some states that are, are heavily dependent upon a heavy incarceration rate are creating more mechanisms in which to incarcerate people. And uh, Africans are are going to be the primary victims of it uh, because they tend to be the least able to amount an effective defense against those uh, type of charges. And uh, so I think I, I think there are three factors, uh, you know, with this legislation being considered, that could increase the incarceration rate. One, the parent could uh, be uh, could be convicted for using corporal punishment. Uh, the child, uh, at least to the breakup of uh, of uh, the family. Which could add to the um, uh, to the school to prison pop- pipeline, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, uh, this is not in the interest of the African community at all. And wherever this is being considered, I hope people organize to fight against it. 
because it it, uh, it it adds to the prison population, which is what the capitalists want, you know, so they can, uh, you know, get away with uh, exploiting uh, labor even more. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it undermines our community by breaking up, uh, you know, uh, families. Thank you, Brother Anthony. Sister Eleanor, here we go again. This is another form of how you can attract the people, which means they are at war. The state is at war with the people. And it don't be so explicit. Your response to this phenomenon? is an attack on the people. When you t- when you destroy the family unit, and as the fellow analyst said, what happens to these children? They'll be faced with going in foster care and other uh, horrible situations such as group homes and things like that. And right now in the United States, we have tens of thousands of children like this. And we have no real structure or plan in how they're cared for or how they're educated. It, it it varies from municipality to municipality and state to state. This is an attack on the family and an attack on the uh, black community and the poor and working class people. And uh, it... Uh, takes away their basic civil rights to operate as a unit. Uh, I disagree with uh, everyone. This is uh, uh, an attack, as I said, on the family. Thank you. Thank you. And harmful harmful to the children, undermines the children and their growth and development and respect for their families and their um, uh, and their families and their ancestors. I mean, what is what is that about? It's outrageous, Brother Africa. And Brother Moses, we also know if you are a prime and you get a strike against you or being identified as committing a felony, that means they can use that as another sophisticated form of query, which you call black codes, which they used to do back in the day where they will intentionally create legal laws solely aimed at disenfranchising African people and the poor. So your response to this phenomenon, Brother Moses, what do you take? Yeah, this is, this is everything everybody's saying has been on point. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I can say that will be different. And, uh, but, um, you know, obviously the, it's, it's no good for um, uh the parents, uh, especially you know, in a world like with the, with the dangers we face today, um, um, children are being kidnapped. All kinds of things are going on. If you don't have your child under um, some kind of at least ideological um, discipline, um, um, the whole the whole idea is to capture their heart and their mind, uh, and and help them understand that you are there for them, and that and that you're not going to do anything that's going to harm them, and that you are trying to do do what's best for their their long term interests. And because we live in a dangerous world, and um, you know it's not all about um, uh, take a time out 
Um, um, but anyway, um, I I I really don't have anything extra to add up. But you know, I think you know that's totalitarianism. Um, the state government finding interceding to the personal lives of people uh, beyond its, its its mandate, and uh, that's the problem. Thank you. Thank. Thank you, Brother Moses. Going to Brother Anthony, we'll bring you in. Brother Anthony, will you share with us what's going on in your world in the community? Brother Anthony. Okay. Uh, certainly. Uh, there are, quietness is kept. Uh, there, are, there, are, uh, there are a lot of wars going on in this world. Most of them affect uh, you know, some sector of the African community. Uh, let's see. To give a couple of examples, there's still going. There's still conflicts going on in the Congo, uh, you know, region, and also, uh, and also, there's a lot of instability in West Africa, particularly in the Guinea, Mali area, and. Uh, uh, you know Burkina Faso, which uh, with all of these uh, uh, coup d'etats being orchestrated by the forces of uh, world imperialism, and uh, that, uh, and with the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict going on, that's received scant attention, unfortunately, and to the to the detriment of uh, Africans living in the diaspora. And also, uh, let's see, uh, 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 let's see, on a, to a lesser extent, the uh, Basketball Africa League uh, started uh, last weekend, I, I, I believe, from what I read. And um, that doesn't seem to fit into to, uh, to the topics we're discussing. But the implications is that the Basketball Africa League, which is a branch of the NBA, could uh, provide an, uh, a, 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 a cultural mechanism for imperial for neocolonialism to entrench itself in Africa further, and uh, and uh, you know, and that could have long-term implications. In terms of uh, our uh, our people's ability uh, to unify and throw off the yoke of neocolonialism, and also uh, the policeman that was uh, the an ex policeman that was uh, charged uh, in uh, the Brianna Taylor uh, murder case in Kentucky, um, he was not convicted of uh, the charges against him. So uh, you know, so it's uh, more of a the, the, uh, a similar situation in terms of uh, Africans in the U.S. Uh, dealing with police brutality. Anthony, can we just take your case of the example of the NBA setting up a basketball league in Africa and how that may apply under the concept of cultural imperialism? 
And let's just talk a little bit about about that because, again, our people must be able to disguise the different forms of uh, exploitation, oppression, the different forms of control and how they may manifest themselves. Well, you know, one of the things came to my mind after when this, when we're looking at this issue of why would the NBA set up a a league in Africa for basketball for for Africans to not play basketball? Well, number one, when you talk about a question of self sufficiency and a question of being independence, why is it that Africa can can create its own sports institution, its own basketball league? and run it from a perspective where they enjoy the fruits of their labor and the resources that their people generate. Why would it have to be under another foreign country domination, in this case, under the umbrella of sports? So, again, it seems to me this is an example, again, how one can create a scenario of neocolonialism. That's number one. Number two, you know, Africa has... Africa has many problems, and one of the things that people need to do is prioritize the most important thing versus those things that we want to do for recreation. When we send our uh, students to school, we need them to acquire the higher disciplines so we truly will be in a position to fight and protect our interests and fight those powers to be. We don't need to create a, a new generation of youth thinking the only thing they want to do is become an athlete and play basketball so they can make more money. And in the process of scrapping to make more money, which you are doing is also creating a psychological uh, desire to want to think about the most important things based on how much money you can make. It creates this whole thrust of being an individual, individualism. Also what it does, it upsets the balance between what's in the best interest of the community and what an individual can do to the community because they may have more resources as an individual than the community does itself. So create all of these uh, um, bad mechanisms for the overall development of our people at this point in time. Panelists, can y'all weigh in and think about any other um, misgivings by allowing these kind of institutions to exist culturally? how it may play as a role or undermine our overall development and where Africa needs to go. I bring it back to you, Brother Anthony, and then I come to my other panelists. Brother Anthony. Yeah. All the points you I agree with all the points you raised, Brother Africa, and I would add that uh uh let's see, right now Africa is divided into about fifty four independent states theoretically independent, but they're all dominated by, they're all under neocolonial domination. And that's why they went for this deal in the first place, because they do not, uh, Africa right now is disunited, very divided, and the political leadership does not have the foresight uh, to uh you know to for to do uh to uh for africa to to do for itself and it's and and in its present state it is dependent upon 
outside institutions to fund these recreational programs, where if Africa was organized and united, it could create the resources to fund its own recreational programs and fit them within an African context and prioritize them, of course, according to what the needs of Africa are first and not worrying about serving the interests of imperialist countries, which is really uh, what the program is about, to, to identify those Africans that have the talents to sell uh, to the imperialists, uh, you know, to the highest bidder, so to speak. Thank you, Brother Vince. Brother Haki. You would take on this question of how they are using sports as a tool, maybe not to, um, may not be in the best interest as relates to the overall African development. Because also, I would probably argue that any time when the West does something uh, like this, a lot of times it's connected as part of their foreign policy and operate as a intelligent mechanism for the U.S. State Department. Brother Haki. You're absolutely right, Brother Africa. You're absolutely correct. Uh, when, the, when the U.S. in particular these kind of endeavors, it's not for the overall benefit of, of Africa. This is some strategic benefits to it. And I suspect one of the strategic benefits in terms of promoting basketball in Africa is it's going to, it's going to engender a certain amount of nationalism. So you have, you know, I'm from Senegal. You know, you're from Kenya. You know, you're from Morocco. You know, I'm from South Africa, blah, 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 blah. You know, so I suggest that that's, that plays into U.S. foreign policy because to the extent, the more that you can uh, facilitate division among African African peoples or African states, then the better it is for U.S. foreign policy. So I suspect that has a big part of it in terms of U.S. motivation in terms of doing that. Also, I think one of the things that we got to be very concerned, one of the things you, 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 you alluded to, Brother Africa, and that's the whole point that once you create these basketball players on the continent, then what, inevitably what's going to happen is that they're going to receive superstar status. So in other words, they become the uh, the embodiment of what you should want, what you want to be. And like in America, we got a situation where you know young children you know and, you know uh, idolize you know these these athletes and they want to be athletes. So what you want you ask kids what you want to do? We grow up. Oh, I want to be a basketball player. I want to be a football player. I want to be a baseball player. You know, and you say, well, what about a scientist? What about an engineer? What about you know um, what about a teacher? Uh, what about those endeavors? How about those? Eh, nah, it's not exciting. So we have to understand in terms of uh, you know um, you know this 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 potential you know on the continent you know to create these bigger than life figures, and which is going to be a a a a source of inspiration for a lot of those children on the continent. And so, where those children may want to grow up, uh, grow up and be you know uh, other kinds of things. Uh, I think the, the, the allure of the media to just keep on popping these people up. For instance, uh, when you think about soccer uh, on the continent, and uh, soccer names, soccer players are some of the biggest names on the continent. Everybody knows the soccer players. So I, I, so I suggest uh, I, uh, that um, a similar kind of thing will take place with respect to basketball players. And because basketball is... Um, is, 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 is known as a... As a, as a, a a Western sport, and I'm concerned that it has a little bit more legitimacy, even more so than soccer. Even though soccer is a large, is a, is a, is the most 
popular game in the world. But I think, but just in terms of visibility, I think when we talk about basketball and its allure, I think that it has the potential to eclipse uh, soccer in terms of, you know, uh, you know uh, its visibility. So I'm very much concerned in terms of that potential. So clearly, Brother Africa, you're right. None of this stuff has anything at all to do in terms of Denver Africa. And, and, and as Brother Africa alluded to, I am very surprised, you know, that uh, that um, the African leaders didn't see through this one. They say, you know, but of course, uh, this opportunity is pre to bring these basketball teams to Africa creates some opportunity for some Africans to make money. In that context, has always been historically a problem because we tend to put the money before the, the politics. And as long as we continue to put the money before the politics, we'll continue to be manipulated and used by Western powers who, who understand that, you know, that our power is not on the, the overall development of the continent, but on individual gain. And so as long as we do that, we're, we're susceptible to kind of all kind of exploitation on the continent. So clearly, Brother Africa, I think that's the, the real motivation behind doing what they're doing. Because after all, if you really want to help Africa, one of the greatest scholarships for African students who wants to be, you know, scientists, want to be engineers, want to be doctors, uh, who want to be teachers, want to be lawyers. I mean, why not create the scholarship for those kind of endeavors? Why basketball? So clearly, Brother Africa, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the, 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 the motive is suspect, and it has nothing to do in terms of the interests of, of the African continent or the African people. Thank you, Brother Aki and Sister Eleanor, if they truly wanted to have Africa, why aren't they investing in this important African nation for better infrastructure and allow for the development of industrialization? That's the most fundamental, most important part that Africa is lacking is needed. But anyway, Sister Eleanor, your take on this question of culture imperialism. Is a good thing to allow outside forces come in, create an institution which they will dominate at your expense and may not even be in the best interest as it relates to the overall theme of one's development. Sister Eleanor, your thoughts? Uh, Brother Africa, I I agree. It's cultural imperialism. But um, as I had read articles about this African League, Um, The NBA is suggesting that what they're doing is bringing uh, technology and some level of uh, infrastructure because they're talking about African people actually, uh, Africans actually uh, uh, um, developing the league and uh, they talk about how they're developing the the stadiums, you know, the places where they play these games and how they're going to share the technology with them and that becomes a learning venue. But not really, Brother Africa, because as you said, there's no structure for that now. Right now, as we know, China is busy building up the infrastructure of Africa, but also for its own personal gain. Uh, This NBA uh, African League is supposedly for the entertainment of the people, but it is also an acculturation that goes along with that. And they also suggest that African people will earn money. And, of course, uh, the, the players will earn money and other persons associated uh, with the business, but money isn't everything when we're facing neo-colonialism, uh, a failing infrastructure, uh, uh, and um, a lack of 
structure and unity uh, in terms of standardized training programs and uh, that should be implemented uh, in these nations. As we saw, Egypt was playing, Senegal, uh, South Africa. It was really uh, amazing. So it's just cultural imperialism, and uh, that's all I can say. I think the experts this evening have spoken. And I concur. Okay, Sister Eleanor, based on most of your points that we are taking, I would like to do a little pushback in terms of I would never equate, and I'm, I would never suggest that the relationship that China has historically had with African countries is not new, China being Africa, and not necessarily the same pretext of the West coming to Africa and, and the institution like we're talking about, the NBA is coming in with a same equal history and foundation. Yes, you may find some companies that may violate or may do some things in the best interest of that particular country, but in terms of the fundamental issue, uh, as, as a policy of trying to exploit the hustle of African people, I don't, at this point in time, see any evidence as that's the true intention of China. So anyway, we will take our caller. We have a caller who would like to make a comment. We're going to bring in our brother, 0673. Welcome to Africa on the Moon. The mic is yours, 0673. Yes, why are you in the United States? There are such rules you got by by how you get to the athletes. Like for athletes, it's a college. I don't think the rules have changed. You can't buy my car. You can't slip money on the table, things like that. That will restrict you from getting the athlete to come towards your, 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 your side. But since the athlete is in another country, I think whatever rules that stop you from getting a potential athlete right, you can break them because you're another country. So that means if you got some a college student, if you want to buy him a car or buy his mother a house or do whatever you can do to get the athlete to come to your side, I think you'll be able to do it because you're in another country. And yeah, so that's that's one thing I think that's the problem with the issue. All right, thank you, Carla. And we are now going to our transition to Sister Eleanor. We come back to you and give you the opportunity to share with us what's going on in your world and your community, Sister Eleanor. Uh, thank you, Brother Africa. Well, of course, as Brother Anthony and Brother Akia talked about, it's war. Um, um, the the uh, Saudis' continuous attack uh, on the people of Yemen and the humanitarian disaster there. Uh, Israel, uh, with this killing of, of teenagers in the last week since the 24th of um, February when the attack in the Ukraine came or began, I realized that according to news reports, some uh, uh, almost 370 uh, civilians have been killed. This is an outrage in the Ukraine. But look uh, about the 91 persons plus untold persons injured in the one U.S. drone strike near Mogadishu. So um, we see uh, so much suffering. And here in the United States, the big fight is combating uh, fascism and uh, voter uh, suppression. 
39 states that passed these voter suppression bills, and we see the devastation of the elections happening that have happened recently in Texas, as well as right now what's going on in Georgia. So it's really uh, a time uh, for Congress to pass the John Lewis uh, uh, voters' bill as well as the other bill, voters' bill, that's um, been sitting uh, there for some time. Um, The people, it's only uh, African-Americans. Excuse me, as you mentioned previously on the show, that are dependent on someone signing some piece of legislation every couple of decades to have the right to vote in this country. Now, this this is an outrage, but it's a continuous problem, and we've seen what a devastating impact the state legislators have had on the voting process since November 2020. So I see that as one of our greatest problems. And Brother Africa, I was uh, I saw uh, the State of the Union address. Everyone watched it on television, and you saw everyone walking in in their yellow and blue in support of the Ukraine. The U.S. needs to walk in with the red, white, and blue and support the U.S. We have hungry children and families. We have this huge homelessness problem. We have a problem with uh, undereducating our population, us, us being undereducated. We have a failing infrastructure. We have declining quality of housing, and housing continues to be an issue. In Colorado, you see, uh, I read an article this week, Brother Africa, where workers have nowhere to live. And in in one county uh, that includes Vail, Colorado, restaurants weren't able to open because workers can't afford to come to work. They have to commute up to 100 miles. So we see uh, continuous inequity amongst the working class, amongst African Americans, Native Americans, and Chicano people, and something uh, that needs to be remaining in the forefront. And of course, we want to see uh, a stop of, of all all war. We want to see the stop of all Russia's aggression in the Ukraine. But we also want to see Saudi Arabia stop what they're doing. In Yemen, over 377,000 people have died, reportedly had died in Yemen, and no one's addressing the issue. Children are starving and dying every hour in Yemen. So those issues continue to plague, plague me. Israelis are continuing to let settlers move into Palestine uh, against all world laws and rules and whatever has been set up, we're ignoring the plight of the Palestinians here in the West. And 
the 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 bombing of Syria while the Ukraine is being bombed, the Syrians are being bombed, and leaflets are being dropped. What What is this uh, about, and why is the U.S. having these drone strikes in Somalia? And as Brother Anthony talked about the crises in the Congo, as well as issues facing the Cameroon, as quiet as they are, there is a, a huge political unrest and the uh, uh, leading uh, officer, Paul, uh, has not, uh, he's been in office for decades. And the problems we see in Nigeria. And Brother Africa, when I saw the people who signed that resolution in the UN concerning the Ukraine, Many of them, look at Libya. Libya is a destabilized country with the murder of uh, Omar Gaddafi or the assassination or the, I guess, the killing because I don't want to speak inappropriately. And look at the uh, Morocco because of its problem with the Sahara and, uh, and, and usurping their neighbor's independence. And Mauritania is so much is so much going on that we need to just have a uh, what was attempted in the Ukraine just to have a uh, uh, stop all war, stop all shooting, just stop it. They were attempting to do it in the Ukraine for twelve hours or for a day. It didn't. It didn't succeed. So uh, that's it, Brother Africa. Thank you for letting me just share some of my uh, feelings. All right, let's go to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world community, Brother Moses? Yeah, um, this has been a very, very a week, um, one in, in a, a series of weeks this year. Um, I guess this is twilight. I don't know the the um, a key year in my life or something. I, I'm 70 years old now, and I, so friends and family around me are passing and going on, and uh, it's just. Um, very, very interesting. Um, a friend of mine um, who I haven't seen much of, but uh, I kind of grew up with in, in what they called the Berg in Alexandria was a public housing project. Um, and uh, Linda Patricia Elliott Wilson, uh, known as Kulu, she she, she passed uh, on February 14th, and they had this funeral Friday, and uh, I I just want to give a little honor to that. I I didn't make the funeral. I don't even want to go to my own funeral. I mean, um, but um, anyway, that's that's something. Uh, meanwhile, that's it's the masters and the masters alone who make history, and um, she's had a significant impact on on on, on this planet just by being born. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm in a, in a weird mood tonight. I'll just leave it right there. Thank you. 
Thank you, Brother Moses. You're listening to Africa on the Move. I'm your host, Brother Africa. As we stated, as we defined it, we're going to stand behind it. What we're going to do right now, we will continue the discussion, what's going on in your world community. But when we come back, we would like to ask our panelists and analysts, as well as you, the listening audience, uh, to call in and share your views on this particular issue. How is it that the so-called war between Russia and Ukraine, how is it dividing the world, particularly Africa and African people? We said this because many people are under the illusion that this is a war for somebody else and it has no relationship to us. I would like to have somewhat a critical discussion with our panelists and with you and with you by calling in at 323-679-0841 when we return. This is Africa on the move. Does this war have impact on you, on the rest of the world, on Africa? And if not, why not? We'll be right back.
San Francisco on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance, because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. When we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very 
extraordinary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards under Europe or European. You will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans, the only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negro. We like to walk you A back negative to attitude towards Africa on the move. We like to walk you back to Africa on the move. And we would like to open up a discussion which is really preliminary to our theme tonight, the wall, their wall and their media. This is going to be a two-part series. This is the first part of this particular series. But before we discuss this question, before we went on break, in terms of what is the relationship to this war between Russia and Ukraine, and can we sit on the sideline and say it doesn't involve us or affect us? I think it's very, very critical we begin to uh, understand and critique events around the world and how they relate to our well-being and our future. But before we do that, I would like to make a couple of announcements and bring in uh, some of our political panelists and analysts for the day. They have an announcement they'd like to make. We first would like to acknowledge to our brother and sister in Ghana that on this day, the 6th of March in 1957, we would like to acknowledge they are uh, achieving their political independence from Britain. Um, you know, our people struggle under the leadership of our brother Sagafor Kwame Nkrumah, and we was able to achieve our political independence on this day, which means the struggle still has not been completed. Because brother Nkrumah taught us that until the total liberation and unification of Africa under all scientific social government is achieved, no African country or people will be free. So this is one of the first steps towards our liberation. So we'd like to uh, congratulate our brothers and sisters and mind the world of that important event that took place on this particular day, the 6th of May in 1957, Independence of Also, we're going to be partnering, partnering with the African Awareness Association as they take their annual feed ride travel tour trip, challenge trip to Cuba. We're going to stop right now and bring in Brother Aki to ask him just say a few words in terms of why it's important 
to unite with and be in solidarity with and to understand the need to show our, our love and support uh, with our brothers and sisters in Cuba and share a little bit more detail about the nature of how people can go on this particular trip this summer. So we bring Brother Haki in as a representative of the African Awareness Association. Brother Haki, why do this organization, your organization, understand the importance to bring people to Cuba? Yeah, Brother Africa. Well, one of the things we, we, we have to acknowledge is that um, the kind of struggles that we have to engage in day in, day out in society are the same struggles uh, that they have to engage in time, day in, day out in Cuba. And so one has to ask themselves, so what is the what, what is the connection between the way uh, the treatment of the, the Africans and Chief Africans uh, endure in, in America in the, in, the, in the same kind of uh, or similar kind of treatment historically that Cubans uh, were, were subject to in Cuba. Now, uh, one of the things I think we have to understand is that when we talk about this common this commonality in terms of the, the historical treatment of, of African people both here and in Cuba, then we understand that our response to those kind of problems uh, are ongoing. But historically speaking, one of the things we were very clear on when we talk about Africa, uh, Cuba in terms of this movement, you know, in terms of confronting imperialism, in terms of struggle against imperialism, those kinds of achievements have been uh, clearly delineated. And so we understand clearly that Cubans played a big part, a great role in terms of uh, confronting uh, imperialism, fighting imperialism, and thriving despite imperialism. So as Africans born in America, I think one of the things that we have to understand that this fight against imperialism is not only doable, but uh, certainly it's something that we have to engage. I mean, one of the things that we, we clearly have to understand is that simply wishing it wasn't so won't make it so. So we have to understand concretely the conditions that we're up against uh, and, and why those conditions exist, and our response has, what our response has to be to those conditions. So Cuba is sort of a, 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 a Cuba is sort of a, a personification of uh, the possibilities in terms of confronting imperialism the possibilities of what can be achieved despite imperialism. So there's much to be learned in terms of engaging Cuban history, you know, interacting with the Cuban people, and engaging discussions around those issues you perceive as critical in terms of struggles for human beings around the planet. I think Cuba is, uh, is an excellent example in terms of, you know, um, the, what, human, what a human society could be. So for that reason alone, I encourage people to go to Cuba. Now, for people interested in going to Cuba, the African Association Annual Black History Educational and Cultural Travel Challenge, and this is in solidarity with the people, uh, a call to educators, artists, and women. This trip will take place on July 23rd to July 31st, 2022, uh, leaving from Cancun, Mexico. And this visit in Cuba will entail Guantanamo Bay, Guantanamo, or Santiago de Cuba, and the capital, Havana. And for, for information, we ask people to, for a pre-application form, the email is at African Awareness Association, all one word, number two at gmail.com. That's African Awareness Association, number two at gmail.com. Or email us at African Awareness Association, P.O. Box 4433, Richmond VA 22220. Or go to our, or go to our, web, our website at www.aaa-cubatools.com. And, and you also can contact, contact us at area code 804- Five four nine seven four nine two or area code two zero two seven one four nine four three five. 
Thank you, Brother Haki. And we now return to our Brother Anthony, who is a organizer for the All African Peoples, Rubber Stern Party, GC. We've asked him to just give a little brief description, a little bit about the party, how people get in contact with them. And also, there is a two-volume book that has been uh, produced by one of their members, Brother Bob Barrow, which is an excellent book dealing with the slave trade Earl and Brother Anthony, can you talk a little bit about that? And just a little bit about your organization, how to get in touch with you, with your organization, Brother Anthony. Certainly, yes. Um, uh, the name of our organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. As I stated earlier, objective is Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. You can find out more about our history and objective by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. Or you, you can also call us at 202-246-4896. To learn more about the history and program of the AAPRPGC, also you can find you can also purchase on our uh, uh, through our website uh, Bob Brother Bob Brown's uh, new book. We demand the full disclosure and digitization of all slavery era records, volumes one and two. And it's an excellent uh, two-part volume uh, that lists the organizations, uh, corporations, and institutions uh, that were involved in the uh, in the in the slavery and slave trade of Africans uh, uh, from. Uh, uh, from Africa and uh, dispersed throughout the Western Hemisphere, and uh, it's an excellent book. Uh, you can find out more uh, more about it by going to our website, and you can purchase a uh, you know the book for yourself or to give us a gift. Uh, you know, by visiting our website, which is www.a-aprp-gc.org. Thank you, Brother Anthony, and to our panelists today. Uh, this is a preliminary discussion uh, right before we get into our major theme, which will be a part of part two to this part one series of their wall and their media. You know, when we look at what's going on, how things are being presented uh, in the Western media as it deal with the so-called confrontation between the country of Russia and the country of Ukraine, uh, there's a perspective that a lot of people may view as this is a confrontation between maybe two European countries. You know, other folks who may not be European, don't have a say so, it don't involve them. They shouldn't worry about it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we know that everything in this world is, is connected. There's some interconnectedness to it. 
for example, when we look at the UN, they talk about in different reports out of 93, 193 nations in the UN, maybe 141 countries were in favor of the sanction against Russia, and they view Russia as being uh, someone who invaded another foreign country. You also have this issue you at the UN, which is very interesting, that when you look at the African countries, you can see there's a divided split around that same question. Among the African countries, they reported that you had maybe 17 countries that abstained from this voting and 28 countries voted in favor of, and then you had five that voted against it totally that was in support of Russia. So we can see, if you look at it, you begin to see variations for class divisions and separations in terms of how view how people are viewing this particular phenomenon. Now, one of the things I would like to say to my listening audience is that, and to my panelists analysts, is that we also have to be careful with the type of words that we use and what they may mean, how they may influence people we are thinking. For myself, you know, I don't view this confrontation as a form of invasion. It may be viewed as a form of intervention. And maybe an intervention to save future generations of both countries. And um, this question of invasion, it, it, it creates a, a, a narrative as, as if one is uh, outright doing something just to come in and dominate someone for no legitimate reason or purpose at all. That, I don't take that position. I don't know where others are. But I think we just need to be careful in terms of how the enemy phrase what they want you to think, and you have to become your own independent thinker and phrase and use the kind of terms and words how you view things. So, panelists, we see this divide. And real interesting, let's speak to the African issue and African people. We see many African countries who have, who are supporting this position of um, that they see Russia as a form of invasion and they support the blockade or they support uh, the sanctions uh, against Russia. While at the same time they take a position on that, these same countries have not even taken positions on what about the invasion of the West led by the U.S. in Libya. What about this whole question of invasion and the coups, France and France and Spain and uh, Germany, they have staged throughout Africa, throughout the decade, decades of undermining and destabilizing African countries' development. What about the bombing now, what the West and U.S. are doing in Eastern Africa, Ethiopia, and Eritrea? They seem to be quiet on these positions, where it is phenomenal. If it's not the same, it's even worse. So, panelists, do we have a stake in this game in terms of how we view how this whole question of confrontation between Russia and Ukraine is being played out? Speak to that for me, Brother Hackey. Yeah, I, I think, Brother Africa, the uh, the the um, hypocrisy is palpable. I mean, clearly, when you think about terms of Western intervention in African state and the silence of African state. It gives one gives one pause because one of the things is that if you're going to say that uh, Russia is the aggressor, based upon the reality that 
that the Ukraine, uh, specifically, is being used by Western states, in particular NATO and the U.S., using as a bulwark in terms of pressuring uh, uh, um, uh, Russia under the guise of potential, you know, uh, attack on Russia, to think that Russia is not going to respond to that. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, But the mere fact that when you talk about in terms of Western intervention in African states, Africa did absolutely nothing to the West. Africa did zero to the West. But yet you have this this, this military intervention throughout Africa. You alluded to Libya. What about the the the, the Sahel section of, 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 uh, of, um, of Africa? Uh, you know, what about Somalia? Uh, what about Ethiopia? What about military intervention in those countries? And the mere fact, you know, that uh, number one, uh, they weren't invited, but they took upon themselves under some pretext of, you know, authorization of military, authorization use of military force, uh, <coughs> a, 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 a dubious document established by George Bush, which says that, you know, that the U.S. has a right to go anywhere in the world it perceives its interest at threat. Well, it seems to me that doesn't the states that they invade, those African states that the U.S. invade, don't they have interests? And so mere fact that African states can dismiss the interests of African people and then somehow look at Africa, I mean, look at uh, Russia as somehow the aggressor, I tell you, that's, that's, that is real hypocrisy. I don't know how to sleep at night with that. I don't, I don't know how to justify that. But I got to say that the one African state that actually say, listen, Russia has a right to protect its borders. If, in fact, if, Lutra, if Ukraine, by virtue of, you know, the, the corruption of the president, if it's going to use its borders, if it's going to use, you know, its population, you know, as a vehicle uh, uh, for the West, you know, to, 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 to pressure Russia, then not only will Russia respond, and, and expect it to so, Russia would respond, uh, but you can, you know, in terms of, in terms of, in terms of, you know, the, the formula, in terms of this whole question around aggression, then you got to conclude that Ukraine played a role in terms of facilitating aggression. We do, we understand behind the scene the real catalyst is the U.S. and NATO. We understand that, but Ukraine itself allowed itself to be used for that sole purpose. And so, when France and Germany and the U.S. Con- continue to send weapons, you know, to the Ukrainian people, to the Ukrainian government, not the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian military. Uh, what do you think Russia's response is going to be? Of course, it's going to it's going to protect itself. And this notion that Ukraine can be uh, stocked with nuclear weaponry, only a foolish nation will allow the Ukraine to become, you know, stocked with nuclear weaponry. You know, when they're when they're on a stone throw away from you. So clearly, brother Africa, I, I'm I'm hard pressed to understand this this, this 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 disconnect of African leaders who are willing to indict the Russians in terms of defending its borders. But the same token, have no power whatsoever when it comes to Western intervention coming to their countries. And so when Mali, when, when the country of Mali told the, UN, told the French to get out, it took a month before the French capitulated. They weren't about to leave. They, their position was that we run this thing, we run your country, and uh, we're not going to listen to nothing you have to say. It literally took months and threats in terms of you know, a, a military uprising against French forces before the French actually left Mali. So clearly, Brother Africa, I'm, so, I'm hard-pressed to understand the, um, the support of these 28 uh, African nations who support these sanctions against Russia, uh, uh, you know. And um, let me just say one other thing, and I'll conclude with this. I think just in, term, just in, terms, of the, in terms of the sanctions, I think, you know, um, uh, one of the things is that, uh, you know, um, Africa potentially could benefit in terms of increased gas, natural gas sales to Europe. 
But the problem, of course, is that Africa doesn't have the infrastructure in terms of developing the kinds of quantities of, uh, of, of gas, natural gas, that you need. And so that, to that extent, Africa is somewhat hamstring in terms of building, in terms of maximize uh, the opportunity in terms of making a lot, lots and lots of profit. Uh, you know, so so it seems to me, you know, but when it's all said and done, you know, and uh, you know, when 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 things return to relative normalcy, it seems to me, you know, when Africans say stick around in terms of someone to assist them in terms of development, in terms of infrastructure development, uh, it seems to me that they can be very they, they can anticipate that the U.S. will have no desire whatsoever in terms of assisting them in terms of infrastructure development, and that sense, you know, this this support that they give, you know, to the U.S. Uh, it seems to me uh, very, very foolish because, number one, not only are you not getting anything for your support uh, in terms of U.S. You know, sanctions against Russia, uh, the Russia, I mean, the U.S. Uh, uh, con- continually uh, or continues to uh, to implement, you know, all kinds of uh, um, strategies to undermine the economy and the development of Africa. So for me, Brother Africa, I cannot understand why the 28 African states support these sanctions. I do have more support. For the 17 who least abstained, uh, you know, and but really great deal of uh, support for Eritrea in terms of saying, listen, Africa has a right. I mean, Russia has a right to defend itself. Thank you, brother Haki, brother Anthony. Now we talk about the West and their behavior. We can't forget about the legacy and the continuation of the ongoing atrocities that are taking place in the Congo, in the Congo. Rwanda, talk about Zambia, South Africa. You talk about the large populations in Angola, amputees, based upon the West behavior, Namibia. We talk about the continued threat and attempt to try to overthrow governments such as Cuba, Venezuela, the total control right now and chaos that they are orchestrating and administrating in Haiti. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So, Brother Anthony, from your perspective, can we look at this wall and say it's it's isolated from us and doesn't affect us? What is your analysis on why we should be concerned and understand particularly the class division that is taking place and will take place um, globally as related nations of the world and how they view themselves around this wall? Your thoughts, Brother Uh, Anthony? Yes. Certainly. Uh, one thing, I, what I noticed from reading uh, this uh, article is that the only uh, th- that the only African country that voted uh, against the resolution was Eritrea. Uh, the other countries uh, abstained, and about twenty-eight voted. Uh, with the uh, capitalist countries, and uh, and I think that reflects the political reality in Africa that most uh, that almost all of Africa is dominated by neocolonialism at the present time, and uh, that's reflected in the way the vote uh, played out. And also why uh, these same countries weren't as critical of European and uh, U.S. intervention in Africa. Uh, 
Well, uh, well, one thing is uh, is hard to gauge that is because uh, this was a special session of the General Assembly that only focused on the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but you, your observation is, is accurate that most of these same countries did not, uh, say anything about, uh, uh, imperialist sanctions or wars against other, uh, 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 countries outside of Europe. And uh, and I think is and and I think is because uh, even though these countries have sham independence, their policies are controlled by imperialism, and uh, that's the nature of uh, neocolonialism. You only have uh, token independence, but not genuine independence. And uh, and this uh, and this and and it goes back to a point that Nkrumah made on his uh, on his Independence Day speech in Ghana that the independence of Ghana uh, is meaningless without the total uh, liberation and unification of Africa under a scientific socialist government. And uh, this vote taken in the UN is a perfect example, a, a illustration of that. Because even though Africa is fragmented into these uh, 54 non-viable uh, political entities, neither one of them had, uh, uh, any, not any of them had the strength to stand up to imperialism. Thank you, Brother Anthony. This is Eleanor. What about how the West had gained up against uh, countries like Zimbabwe? Historically, when we were fighting against apartheid, the West was supporting apartheid. And more critically, one would have to look at the behavior and role of the U.S. US government and their domestic terrorism policy or how they've used legal force to outright should shoot their African people, and no one is held accountable. So do you think we can stand by, Sister Eleanor, and look at this particular war that's taking place and don't think that it would affect our people no matter where they are? What's your take on that, Sister Eleanor? Talk to us. Um, Thank you, Brother Africa. Clearly, the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine is having a tremendous impact. Right now, it affects us domestically at the at the uh, gas uh, gasoline purchases. You know, look how high gas is. We don't buy any gas from from Russia or or or, or uh, anyone in Europe, but yet. Uh, a war begins and the gas prices at the pump are inflated. What I found phenomenal, Brother Africa, was countries like Libya and countries where Cuba had assisted in the past and had, had are their allies and supporters. These countries at the same time didn't take an opportunity 
to ask that the embargo be lifted against Cuba. And as the previous speaker said, this is just an an example of neo-colonialism. And, of course, the global economy is united, so none of us can act without it having an impact on others. And the impact that it will have on African people is really untold. As uh, Brother Anthony was talking about gas, and I think Brother Haiki was talking about natural gas and, and the lack of infrastructure in Africa, the article also mentioned that there is a pipeline that goes between Algeria and uh, Spain. And it's underutilized, and the production has been underutilized. This is another example of um, the exploitation of African people. Even though fossil fuels and the use of them should be stopped globally, they are now being used. And certainly um, countries in Africa that have the infrastructure should be increasing production and making uh, market rate earnings on the export of natural gas to the EU. But to answer your question, Brother Africa, the impact of this war is phenomenal. Just the fact that the media has ignored everything else globally. Israel is killing kids during evictions in the occupied territory. We're droning Somalia, uh, the second poorest country in Africa. The United States is actually bombing the Somalians. For what? For what? As everyone has said, so the impact is outrageous. It's allowed for the other uh, warmongers to uh, go uninterrupted since February 24th and just continue their outrageous attack on the people. And the economic impact in the long run and the social impact, I saw an interview, Brother Africa, where the Africans in the Ukraine were being denied entry into Poland, being denied exit from the Ukraine and entry into these countries. The other thing that's happening, Brother Africa, that we've never seen in our lifetime is the militarizing Europe, giving them these high-tech weapons, giving them to uh, Poland, to these, quote, NATO members. This is increasing world aggression and violence. The one thing the EU had going for it was that it didn't have uh, many countries didn't have these massive weapons. And uh, Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, is asking for a no-fly zone. Well, Brother Africa, in order to have a no-fly zone, you have to have military enforcement and planes. So this is, I'm surprised that he would ask for this because this inc- escalates the war rather than stopping the war between Russia and the Ukraine. And we can see children or uh, people in the Ukraine with Molotov cocktails uh, being praised 
for their assault on Russian, young Russian troops. And uh, when a Palestinian throws a rock, he's a terrorist. So certainly we should see clearer than ever that um, the world is divided and that we're all generally uninformed, but our economies are closely connected and people are connected by this new media phenomena, the computer, the Internet. And we saw that TikTok even got involved in stopping postings as of two days ago coming out of Russia. So, yes, this definitely has an impact on African people, the global economy, and, of course, on the United States because of our Boginsky attitude. We're butting in in places where we should not be. We really should not be. We should demand a ceasefire of all of these warring nations, and the UN should have a special assembly based on stopping the four major global wars, the attack of the Athenians in Palestine and, and the attack of the Israelis on Syria, and to stop Saudi Arabia's attack on Yemen, as well as the United States' attack on Somalia. All of these issues should have been addressed, but it's hard to stand up when you're dealing with social imperialism. Thank you, Sister. I know Brother Moses, we'd really like to take the last shot at this. What thoughts do you have, Brother Moses? Come and talk to us. Brother Moses. Yes, indeed. I am... Uh, it's, just, it's just good to be to be heard. Uh, uh, it's good to be alive. It's, it's good. I mean, in spite of this Soviet, I'm not Soviet, but Putin, uh, uh, what I call a civil war at this point, uh, uh, um, painting the painting the opposition as fascist more or less, and uh, and declaring civil war. Uh, my attention span is not where it should be. Um, no problem, Brother Moses. You just, you just go ahead and relax. We're going to have you come back with your final thoughts. We're going to a quick break into our panelists for the night. This is the first part of a two-part series, Their Wall and Their Media. When we come back, we ask everybody to give us a few minutes of your final thoughts. This is Africa on the Move. Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Yeah. Father, father, 
What if my had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man, I wouldn't want to hear it. This integration been disintegrating. Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation. His last speech got him assassinated. Black business was booming. It wasn't just a consumer. Controlling our narrative. We have more marriages. And see what the damage did. They ain't that bad a bitch. And welfare did it's way worse than the slavery. I'll never be an agent. I don't care what they pay me. Seem like Nip had the same old story. If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory. Like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was a mystery. Supremacy and go the extent to keep their history alive. All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive, who be on the internet trying to divide? And use a hotel hustler, trying to fear people of that low vibe structure. Agree to disagree, and we ain't got to tear our own down. Argue in silence, or forever be our own downfall. All I want to say is that we're giving it away. Soul ain't for sale, and the devil is a fake. Argue with the silence, but don't let it steal our faith. Hide behind doors, but don't ever show our face. Cause if mom had Twitter, Malcolm had Twitter. It'd be our own people do the trolling. Spill ignorance and do the scolding. Where we going? Cause if mom had Twitter, then Malcolm had Twitter. It'd be our own people do the trolling. Spill ignorance and do the scolding. Where we going? Thank <laughs> you. 
Sometimes the key to life you looking for be right in front of you Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new I said, what if we been lied to, most of our freaking lives Every year coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right Your arrogance precedes you What if your faith did, I spoke to God on Wednesday He said, most of it's basic Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me A man lay dead in the street today I must have on my head Landed in 1940 or something, I swear And all I have is love and joy to give I need to spread my wings I need to fly away I wanna get high today Who got five on my little bundle of temporary Man, I wanna live long enough to be legendary Your statistics said by now that I'm gonna be dead and buried But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already And I'm march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose Two different tribes and we fighting the same person Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us Cosmic companionship sustained me After my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength to make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man laid dead in the street today. I must have bumped my head and landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on our moon. This is the sixth day of March, 2022. This is the first part of a two-part series, Dale Wall and Dale Media. We will now make our transition to our final thoughts for tonight. We'll start out with our sister, Eleanor, and we'll bring her in there, sister, Eleanor. You'll find the thoughts for tonight. Well, thank you so much for participating in this evening's program. And uh, Brother Africa, Brother Moses said it when he said it's about fascism. You know, the U.S. uh, and other forces were involved in overturning the election allegedly in 2013 in the Ukraine. And there's so much confusion and conflict until it will take uh, some time for us to digest it. But um, I just want to thank you for an opportunity to be here with you all this evening and wish everyone a blessed week and may they be a ceasefire uh, in the Ukraine and the other warring nations. Uh, hopefully by midnight uh, we could call for a ceasefire. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. We then make our transition to our Brother Moses. Brother Moses, we'd like to just get your final thoughts for tonight. Brother Moses. Yes, it's been uh, very interesting as usual, uh, very thought-provoking and uh, I'm uh, interested in, in uh, looking deeper into this 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 um, 
Putin situation uh, uh, in terms of the what what the motivations and the players and uh, who's who's who and who's what. I know that NATO NATO is up to no good, and uh, and so our our role as as people on this and this and the belly of the beast should be clear that we should be trying to stop NATO and and this um, aggression and uh, this warmongering. And um but um anyway I'll look forward to next week. Thank you. We thank you, Brother Moses, and next we'll go to Brother Anthony. You'll find a thoughts, Brother Anthony, and just remind your people about some of the most important announcements that they need to be aware of as it relates to the ongoing work of the APRPGC. Okay. Um Let's see. Uh, final thought for tonight is that uh, we must organize. Uh, uh, every African should belong to an organization that is working for their people's liberation. One such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Uh, you can find out more information about our history program and uh, objectives by visiting our website, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And also, you can uh, purchase a copy of Bob's Brother Bob Brown's latest book, we demand the full disclosure and digitization of all slavery era records, volumes one and two, by visiting our website as well. And also, um, pay close attention uh, to May 2022. We plan on having a series of events commemorating African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. So keep uh, keep your calendar open and be on the lookout for more information regarding our commemoration of African Liberation Day, Palestine Day this year. Thank you very much. And Brother Haki, you'll find the announcements and you'll find the thoughts for the African Awareness Association. Brother Haiki, the mic is yours. Yeah, I, I got to say, Brother Africa, um, you know, often when I think about the ability of the state uh, to deceive people, right, to me it seems very surreal. Uh, but we look at um, what's happening in Russia and, and um, Ukraine, the ability to sway opinion, I mean, is, is very poignant. And if, when you think about you know, when you when you ask people, you know, what they know about the Ukraine, most people say they know very little. But yet, according to the local poll, you got half of the, at least half of the people who are convinced that somehow Russia is aggression, that Russia is just unilaterally, you know, invading Ukraine for no reason whatsoever. So it speaks to the power of the uh, power of the media to 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 um, provoke or condition people to believe certain ideas. Uh, and um, one of the things, you know, uh, recently it's been revealed that the U.S. Congress recently um, uh, passed a bill allocating $500,000 uh, 
for disinformation or, or propaganda against against China. That is very, very, very interesting because when you stop and think about, you know, $500 million, you know, for you know, just for propaganda purposes, could you imagine what $500 million could do in terms of improving unemployment or homelessness situation in America? It seems there's no real desire in terms of addressing the issues uh, that are so pertinent to the people in this country, but yet they can spend exorbitant amounts of money for the sole purpose in terms of, you know, imperialist practices or interventions throughout the world. And the mere fact that the people in the society don't have yet to grasp, you know, the inane, uh, uh, the sickness of these policies speaks to the value of propaganda to convince people or to or, or to sway people of, of, to endorse opinions which which are not necessarily in their best interest. So clearly, Brother Africa, I, I find it all very, very surreal. And, uh, you know, so I certainly hope, you know, that, that people begin to understand that when you look in terms of U.S. foreign policy and you look at the atrocities committed under his name, they understand that what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and that at some point, uh, increasingly, this kind of injustice, this kind of killing, this kind of wholesale suffering is going to come to America. As Malcolm said, the chicken come on the roost, and it seems to me that people better understand that fundamentally. Now, in terms of the trip, the African Awareness trip to Cuba, now, the African Awareness Association and your Black History Education and Cultural Travel Challenge in solidarity with people, a call to all educators, artists, and women. Now, for your, now this trip is a trip to take place July 23rd to July 31st, 2022, leaving Cancun, Mexico. Now, once in, in Cuba, we'll be visiting Guantanamo, Tentagate, Cuba, and Havana. Now, for free application uh, forms, or you can email us at African Awareness Association. All one word, number two, African Awareness Association, number two, at gmail.com. For additional information, you can write us at African Awareness Association, Inc., P.O. Box, 4433, Richmond, B.A., 23220. Or contact us at area code 804-549-7492 or area code 202-714-9435. For information in reference to the Cuba Tours, Go to our website at aaa-cubatours.com. That's aaa-cubatours.com. In closing, Mother Africa, as always, I encourage people to unravel the matrix because uh, the, the bottom line is that when we look at the kind of atrocities that's uh, unfolding throughout the world, people in America must understand that we're not immune from the same kind of atrocities. And the question, of course, for us is what are we going to do when these atrocities avail themselves? You know, are we being in a position to, to at least minimize any potential casualties from a lot of these strategies that that uh, that, uh, that that may come into existence as a result of you know uh, the state strategy. Uh, we got our work cut out for us. We need institutions, we need organizations. We must think seriously about what's going on in the society and the potential impact for all our people. And I close with that. And Brother Africa, you have a good night. And you do the same, Brother Haki, and to our listening audience. And our panelists, we'd like to thank you all for your participation. And thank you for sharing the word and spreading the word about Africa on the Move, that they can listen to this program on a weekly basis every Sunday night from 7 p.m. from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. We thank you for your support. And in terms of this first part, there will be two-part series, Their Wall, and they are media. I would like just to remind the people that 
it's a strange type of democracy that we live in as it relates to the U.S. and Western Europe and Western media. And that democracy many times, you know, you have people who cannot find the country Ukraine or Russia on our geography map. Well, at the same time, in the U.S., they often talk about there's a high illiteracy rate among the people in the U.S. At the same time, those who can read don't read. That's a strange type of democracy. And with these contradictions, it can lead us down a road where we'll not produce any kind of meaningful results uh, of a people development. Think about that. Again, this is Africa on the Move. We'll see you next week. And let's always remember from Brother Africa, and that is to always strive to go forward, Apple, Douglas, Neville. Africa is on the move. We'll see you next week, and we'll leave you with some sounds of sweet liberation. When it comes to music and culture, Africa produced some of the best. We thank you again for being a listener to Africa on the move.
Come 